With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. September the 22nd, 2010. A date that will never be forgotten by any Cobblers fan. Jovanovic is clean through and he's gone! Oh, we've talked to This is uh, Osman to Davis, just outside the penalty chair. Davis from a long way out, chips into the penalty chair. Thornton's in there. Yes! Yes! It's it's in! Would you believe this, folks? Northampton Town are level at Anfield. Hammer to the dead ball line. Cross it across the face. No! It's going to be Teddy by Thornton. No, it's not. Yes! And Northampton has taken the lead. Liverpool corner kick, five minutes to go. In comes the delivery towards goal. There's the equaliser. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup. And Northampton through. Northampton have it! Get it! At the time, we weren't really expecting much, and I think they were expecting to walk all over us. Once it went into extra time, I think then we started leaving because we'd seen how well Northampton played. Didn't even realise that that goal going in was going to be the winner until obviously it went in and everybody went absolutely potty. I'm Charles Commons, and this is the story of that night at Anfield, ten years on. I was in my mid-twenties when the Cobblers faced Liverpool in what was then the Carling Cup. 
I remember being really excited at the prospect of facing a big Premier League team, especially one that was just down the road from my house. I'd moved to Warrington in 2003 and had waited seven long years for such a cup tie. For any cup draw, I tend to sit in front of the television with my fingers crossed for an away tie against one of those big teams from either Liverpool or Manchester. I still do it now. In 2004, it nearly worked for me as the Cobblers faced Manchester United in the FA Cup. But that year, we were the home side. So when the third round of the Carling Cup was drawn and it was Liverpool away, I felt like all my wishes had come true. The 2010-11 season hadn't started particularly well, truth be told. An opening day hammering away at Torquay might have been followed up by a home win in the first round of the League Cup, but it would take a further five games for the Cobblers to win their first game in League Two. My name is Jeff Doyle, and at the time I was the BBC Radio Northampton Sports Editor. If I remember rightly, they'd lost Bayo Akinfenwa in the summer, and I mean he'd been the main man for the, the two years before that. Um, he'd gone to Gillingham and they'd got off to a bad start under Samo and suddenly they had this cup run began and then in the previous round at Reading they played really really well it's one of the best performances I'd seen that night they uh, they drew the match 3-3 3-3 I think it finished and then it went to penalties and they won it it was just a sensational performance and everybody was on such a high and then I can remember when the draw was made and it was Liverpool away it, it was just one of those moments where if you were a Cobblers fan, you had to go to this game. And, and I can just remember the, the ticket sales just kept going up every time I was asking in the club how many they'd sold. It was just, you know, hundreds after hundreds and into the thousands. And if you, if you followed Northampton, you had to go to that game. It was massive for the club. And, uh, and having to be able to, well, being able to go there to commentate on it with, uh, with Tim Oglethorpe and also with Terry Angus was just fantastic for us. And uh, yeah, it still goes down as probably one of the, my, my greatest commentary moments in my career so far. I think the draw was made on Saturday lunchtime. So I, th- I was probably preparing for a match. I can't remember what it was against. Former Cobblers manager, Ian Sampson. But when it comes out, it's been on Sky TV and, and the lads straight away, everyone knew about it. They're in the dressing room at half past one and, there's a real buzz about it. No, I don't think anyone could believe that we'd pull Liverpool out. And just the excitement grew from there. And what an opportunity for us all to go and test ourselves against, you know, Premier League players. So, yeah, it was just a, it was great excitement and one that we we, we was really looking forward to. We thought we'd done well in the previous two rounds actually, because you know Brighton and Reading were both doing well in their in their divisions. I think Brighton were near the top of League One at the time, and and Reading were sort of around the playoffs positions. Uh, in the championship and you know if you look at Reading's team on that night it was probably you know arguably arguably stronger than Liverpool's Reading had won both of their previous encounters with Northampton in the League Cup and it looked like they were going to make it three in a row when Matt Mills deftly flicked home the League 2 side hit back when Ben Hamer had a moment to forget gifting Andy Holt a chance he made no mistake with a goal well worth celebrating as it was his first since January Reading restored their lead despite the best efforts of Cobbler's Swedish goalkeeper Oscar Janssen. The Spurs Loney single-handedly fought off a barrage of shots from the championship side before Welsh international Hal robson Carney eventually forced the ball home. Hamer was keen to atone for his earlier error but could only succeed in pushing the ball into the path of Kevin Thornton. 
And then with legs tiring, Reading thought they'd stolen victory when skipper Matt Mills thundered home his second of the game, seven minutes from time. But in a cruel twist of fate, Mills put through his own net for an unfortunate third with the last kick of the game. So it was left to spot kicks to split these two on the night. Cobbler's Abdul Osman booked a place in round three, completing a giant killing and a great night for Northampton. It's fair to say that the Cobblers squad back then wasn't exactly full of world beaters. I had a chat with Danny where I got his thoughts on our squad back then. What do you remember from back then in terms of the squad and how it was or wasn't? Um, <laughs> I was just, I, I keep looking at it every time I look, I watch the highlights and stuff and I see these players and I just think, oh yeah, he was there. He was there. He wasn't that good. He didn't go on to do great things afterwards. Oh, there's Michael Jacobs. He did well. But um, <laughs> it, it was a bit ragtag. I think when we talked to Samo about it, it was it was a bit like he just been he just didn't have the budget to to do anything in the transfer market. So he had to bring in a lot of um, sort of free transfers or people dropping out of uh, big Premier League teams and stuff like that. Um, there was quite a few that were left over from the Stuart Gray era that had dropped down with us. Like a few mainstays like your, your John Johnsons, your Ryan Gilligan's. Um, Andy Holtz, people like that, and Michael Jacobs, who was probably just about to break out from us, wasn't he? But it probably speaks to Samo's management even more that he was managed to put a put a team out because I think he was struggling with a few injuries, and b get him to actually beat Liverpool. <laughs> it was it's just madness. It wasn't just a small budget affecting Samo's squad. Injuries were also playing their part. First-choice centre-backs Craig Hinton and Dean Beckwith were both sidelined, and that meant the Cobblers lined up against Shrewsbury on the Saturday before the Liverpool game with a striker in defence. I think we must have been struggling for centre-backs. We must have been, and uh, myself and, and Crosby had seen him in training. And we thought we, we could, you know, could do a job at centre-back, but uh, I think I don't even think we were losing at the time. But it was getting the runaround by Matt Harold, who'd been in the league for years and years and years, and and. I've just felt I needed to make a substitution and I think it was 35 minutes. You know, it was nothing personal against said, but I was trying, trying to get the keepers in the game. And uh, he could probably say that when he came off, we weren't losing and we lost the game. So <laughs> maybe it's the wrong decision. So isn't the centre-back though, apart from Ben Tozer, he signed, is it the day before, was it? We were probably prepping the, the, the move um, the day before and I think he had to sign 12 o'clock on the day so he could play. Um and it was Colin Calderwood actually was was up at Newcastle at the time and sort of said this this player could be uh, you know worthwhile to Northampton. It would be it was good for Newcastle to get him out on loan and and uh, he said he would do a decent job for us and what an entry for him to, to make his debut for Northampton without even train. We didn't even know any of the lads, let alone let alone train with us. So Colin Calderwood literally came in the change room. He said Northampton want to take you on loan, and I was like right okay, like up for it. And he went yeah they've got um. They've got Liverpool tomorrow. So I was like, right, I'm definitely up for this. So, uh, so yeah, um, you never never want to assume that you're starting, but the way that Colin was talking, it was um, it seemed like that was the case. So, yeah, uh, like I said, didn't, didn't expect to be, but what a pleasant surprise, really. The day before, we're just trying to keep training as relaxed as possible. Listen, we all know it's probably going to be the biggest game of, of well, arguably all, all of our careers, whether it's a player or as a manager, it was going to be one of the biggest ones, biggest event we've ever had, you know. So just trying to keep them relaxed, not not trying to change any routines, really, just just do the same thing. 
uh, and and we really focused on going up there and trying to enjoy ourselves. So um, I'd been to Old Trafford on the weekend to watch Liverpool against Manchester United, actually. And uh, I, I was quite confident. I've seen some sort of weaknesses in the team. Um, I think they got beat 3-0, I think. I don't know if it was Berbatov scored a hat-trick or someone scored a hat-trick, I think, against them. But I thought, oh, yeah, we, we've got half a chance here. Not, not not really thinking that, but in my mind, I'm thinking we've got half a chance here. Um so we kept we kept the build up fairly relaxed and and just enjoyed ourselves in in in, in the training. Um, we travelled up quite early on the day of the game. Stayed in a hotel I think was in well, it was Kirby just outside uh, Liverpool. You know, a nice hotel, something that was probably a better hotel than we've we've stayed in previously for away games. And and they all they all slept in the afternoons, did the pre match. Uh, just kept it nice and relaxed, and then even even in the team meeting before we left the hotel, it was it was more jokingly about what we're going to do, and and we were fortunate to we put the team up on the on the on the flip chart, and um, we'd had a tip off of their team, so we actually knew the team before we, we arrived at the stadium. That tip off unbelievably came from a Liverpool player who had been angered by his manager's decision not to play him in the fixture. With the players already in Liverpool, the Cobblers fans left Northampton in their droves. Yes, in Pocock. I remember driving up into Liverpool and um, getting to Anfield. And obviously, despite the fact that it's a it's a it's a big stadium, it's it's still old school because it's in the it's in the heart of the action, isn't it? You know, you you've got all the houses there. It's uh, it's a bit of a it's a bit old school like that still. I remember uh, driving around trying to find somewhere to park. And uh, the only other time I've been to Anfield before to see England play, and I remember then getting a kid, having to pay a kid a fiver to look after the car. And, um, yeah, so we drive around, and it was like, I think we were trying to charge £10 to park cars, and we were trying to find the cheapest one. Hi, Charles. I'm Mark Tucker. I drove up with my, my cousin, um, just, the, just the two of us went up, and um, we left quite early. So I think we probably got to the ground around four, five o'clock, something like that. And we, we'd never been there before. So we just made the decision to drive straight to the ground and then sort of work our way away from the ground to find somewhere to park. Um, so we just parked up in the street next to the ground and were sort of sussing out and having a look at maps, whatever. Uh, as to where to go to park. Um, and, and this chap comes out and he said, um, you do know this is a residence parking only, don't you? And we said, yeah. We said, we're just sort of trying to set out where to go. And he said, oh, are you, you're Northampton fans then, are you? He said, yeah, yeah, we are. He said, oh, he said, I'm an Evertonian. He said, just hang on a minute. And, it, and he ran back into the house and came out with his permit. Uh, and said, there you go, lads. He said, just leave your car there and uh, and have a great night. So we thought, oh, okay, thanks so much. So so we parked up and uh, and then we went to um, find a pub, um, had a few beers, etc. Uh, and then obviously went from there to, to enjoy the game from there. For most reporters and for most commentators, the worst bit of when you go to a football match is thinking that you might be late. And there have been times where you're on your way somewhere, and I've been doing this for so many years now, 20 years, that sometimes, you know, you'll get accidents on the motorway, things will happen, 
and then you just regret not leaving, say, half an hour early and you might have missed the pile-up. So it's always one of those ones where you do not want to be looking at your watch, checking the time, seeing if you might be late, whether you're going to get there on time. And I can remember for that Liverpool game, we had given ourselves best the best part of all afternoon, pretty much, to get up there. It was an evening kickoff, of course. So we left really early. And I can remember travelling up, Terry Angus, who's uh, you know a fantastic man. It, it was great having him alongside us that evening, um, former Northampton centre-half, of course. Um, he, he was forever moaning about how early we'd left Northamptonshire to get up there. But there was no way we were going to be late that day. So I think we arrived about four hours before kickoff, and then we were just wandering around, at, you know, outside the stadium for, for a couple of hours, not not being able to get in, not really doing anything. But uh, it was, yeah, I can remember that, getting up there really early. Then obviously we got to set up and get everything correct and make sure the gear's working okay. And you always have those little heart-stopping moments where, you know, we knew how important this was going to be and how we had to get the commentary right. The worst part of it sometimes is you do have technical difficulties but all that was up and running the ICM was working fine and then we could get on with the job of of telling people of what was going to happen and you know I know so many thousands went up there that evening but there were so many listening as well I think it was um, and it will be one of those games where you're a, you might not be a diehard Northampton fan you you, know, you might occasionally listen into our commentaries you, you, you probably maybe a, a member of your family supported Northampton or something like that. But even if you were a, a grandma and you knew your grandson was a Northampton fan, I think it was one of those nights, one of those moments where you just had to listen if you weren't there. And, and in, I can remember that evening. I mean, we used to get you know hundreds of texts and, and texts and tweets during the during games. But on that night, we had so many; it was incredible. We just couldn't keep up. Um, and then the match itself was just. I think it was such a dramatic match that you know what happened at the end just made it even more of an impressive game and, and why it will go down in history for Northampton Town. I did say to all our players because you know in the past we've we've, we've played under managers and and they've all said to us we've come in with a team sheet and they'd say to to us oh you see all these players I wouldn't take any of them over you well I flipped it on the on the on the other side I said see all these players here well I would take them all over you. And it just lightened the mood. So I think everyone was quite relaxed, you know, going to Anfield and, and you know, just, just getting on the bus and, and travelling to that stadium. It's almost as iconic as going to Wembley, you know, when you when you pull, in, you pull into the streets and you see this is Anfield and it's just a great feeling. We knew we had to try and play some football just because of the size of our team. So I think, there's, there's, I, think I said in an interview after the match that, there's a myth about League One, League, League Two footballers that they're all big, strong, just kick it as far as they can. But we we had Billy Mackay and Kevin Thornton as our. Well, Billy was up front on his own, and Kevin was playing as a number ten. Well, I don't think there's six feet between them in terms of height, so <laughs> we cert we certainly couldn't be playing long balls. Uh, so we actually played quite well on the night, and I was quite pleased. And I think after that first goal. Uh, the lads even relaxed even more and they just got on with it and played some great stuff. Yeah. Do you remember exactly what you said in the dressing room before before they went out? Like, could you? Is it one of those team talks that sticks in your head? Or it, not to be honest, no, it doesn't. It, I probably I can't remember what I said. It was probably something on the lines, "You'll never get to play here ever again, so go and make the most of it." Actually, you know, when you when when they go out and I came out last, and I, I was probably still stood in the you know. Well, it's changed now because it's, it's been revamped. But 
you've got the old, this is, everyone knows that this is Anfield, everyone touches it, don't they, when they walk out and you go down some steps. I actually stood in there as you'll never walk alone was playing. So, I mean, that really sort of, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I think even the Northampton fans must have been singing You'll Never Walk Alone because I was singing it in the tunnel. And I, I just, you just can't help yourself. That's just some of the, the one of the most iconic song, song in football, isn't it? Cup upsets of many a year. Liverpool versus Northampton Town. My eldest, Mark, was living in London and um, didn't know whether he'd be able to get the time off to come up to the match, but we persuaded him that he'd got a try. So he uh, travelled up by train on the day. Um, we all travelled up in car. We got to the game really early and kept getting messages from Mark, oh, train stuck at crew, train stuck here, train stuck there. We kept thinking he's never going to make it on time. But um, eventually he messaged, says, oh, I'm outside, I'll be in soon. I assumed he'd go in the uh, cop end, but it turned out he didn't. He came in down one of the side stands and it just so happened that the part he came in was near where we were standing. And as I looked over, I saw him walk through into the ground and his jaw just dropped and he went, oh, wow. <laughs> and it was just lovely to see his reaction to it, really. Then when the game started, every time anything happened, we'd be looking back to get each other. And, it, and I mean, it was just amazing. And watching him singing, you'll never walk alone. It just... Yeah, I just can't describe it, really. I don't remember much, but of this game, I remember, obviously, they, they got the early goal and you think, shit. <laughs> you think, oh, no, this could be a long, a long evening. Well, Jovanovic is clean through and he's scored. Oh, we've talked too and soon. And Milan Jovanovic, the Serbian, nipping him behind the cobbler's back four, left foot and sweeping it right at Chris Dunn. If I remember right, I think we lost possession in midfield and they broke on us and it went, it came to Jovanovic and he, he'd got like a superb left foot. Uh, and within a flash, it, it was in the back of the net, the keeper stood no chance, just skidded off that service surface. And that's when you're thinking, oh no, we're in trouble here. This could be like a cricket score. Even even with the team they had out, you know, it, they weren't, they weren't regular first-team players, but there were still players in there that cost £10 million. You know, Ryan Babble was playing up front, so you know, <laughs> it was still not an easy team to play against. And when they scored after seven minutes, I'm thinking, oh, shit, we're in trouble. Uh, but fortunately, the lads responded really well. I think I think there's probably a little bit of, I don't know, um, complacency from them. I think they probably think, oh, it's going to be an easy game. You know, after scoring after seven, they probably thought, oh, we can just go through the motions. But our, our lads responded superbly and really got a grip of the game. We weathered that early storm after that. And and I remember, obviously, we we, we got our way into the game. I remember it was quite good, actually, because I was, I, was, I was playing centre-back at the time and um, I was able to kind of play my game where we, we, I got to play and take risks and, and pass the ball about. And I remember Ryan Gilligan was in front of me and he was loving it because he was thinking, I think they said, like, don't, I don't normally get this. 
don't normally get to be able to play with the centre half and um and so yeah, it kind of just relaxed us and, and we actually we played some real good football obviously Kev Norton and Michael Jacobs on the night where I remember them being particularly good. But what did you say uh, at half time? Because we're one 0 down at half time. What, what yeah. were the, was it just kind of more of the same? Or? Yeah, it was. Yeah, just saying we were still in the game. You know, it, yeah. after them scoring after seven, it could have quite easily got away from us. But um, I can't remember Chris having too many saves to make in that first half. To be honest, um, so we knew we were still in the game. It was just about reinforcing that, doing the right things again, trying to get you know get the ball and, and start passing it better than what we'd done in the first half. And we were quite confident that we could create some chances. We, you know. I think just with a little bit of movement, we could pull the two centre-backs and, and I think they had Lucas Leiva playing in front of the back four. So they weren't the most mobile anyway. They had Kyriakos and probably Aga was probably the better of the centre-backs. But we knew if we could pull them around a little bit, we, we, we'd have an opportunity of creating some stuff. And any time that Michael got the ball, you know, he could do some he could do some could something special with it. And, you know, with them, them three, Mackay, Thornton and... Um, Michael Jacobs, you know they could play really well together, and I think they probably they probably got us back into the game. So it was more of the same at half time. Carry on doing what you're doing, and we'll get a break. And uh, you know I don't think there's a lot more you can say at half time rather than just reinforcing that message and, and keeping the confidence up. I think if we'd have come in three 0 down, it would have been like oh, you know we're just going to try and survive. But we had an opportunity to go and stamp our. our our game onto them and, and we did it and we did it and it was brilliant yeah from what I remember it was just like a complete sustain and you could feel it in the away end just there's something that's going to happen here something's going yeah, to happen because I, we're I building actually felt building. once we got back out in the second half you could feel you could feel we were going to score I never I never felt like they, they were going to run away from us when Liverpool went ahead and it was kind of oh well here we go it's not going to be the case but you know they'll have a good evening anyway these Northampton players and then they played so well and then they got the equaliser and it was, they're not going to do this, are they? This is uh, Osman to Davis. It was one of those things that you, the cross comes in and you're just thinking, he's going to score. It's just outside the penalty chair. Davis from a long way out, chips into the penalty chair. Thornton's in there. Yes! Yes! It's yes! It's Mackay, he lets in. Would you believe this, folks? Northampton Town on level at Anfield in the Carling Cup third round. And Mackay smashes the ball home from close range. Ten minutes gone in the second half, and in front of those delirious Cobblers fans, away to our left, the 5,000 or so Cobblers fans. And they just went mental, and then it just felt like from that moment, we, there was a belief, once it went into extra time, I think then we started leaving because we'd seen how well Northampton had played and how badly Liverpool had performed. And I think we, we thought, of, as it went into extra time, thought, this, is, this could be done here. So what are you saying to them when they come back in for the huddle just before extra time starts? Uh, try and get a winner before penalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, not, a lot of, not a lot of managers do say that, do they, in extra time? They're like, shut up, shut up, let's get to penalties. But you're saying... Oh, I actually... think we had, we had them on the rack, didn't we? We had them, we had them on the rack. And I think we, we actually look quite strong. Uh, I think it's always... I think that's why you see quite a few shocks in this competition is that the players you play against when they change the team not fully match fit and we were fully match fit so it gave us an opportunity to probably go that extra yard in extra time um, and they suffer a little bit because they probably don't play many reserve games anymore at that level and, and they do individual training so that the actual match fitness from their point of view was probably lacking when Jacob scored and that was kind of I mean Michael Jacobs that season I can remember him being so good uh, when he scored 
I think we thought, right, here we go. Herbert picks up on this near side and skins the defender. Herbert now to the edge of the penalty area, goes around him again. Herbert to the dead ball line, crossing it across the face. Yes! Oh, oh, it's going to be Teddy by Thornton. No, it's not. Yes! And now Teddy has taken the lead. Can you believe this? Come on! It's Michael Jacobs, the teenager, who's put Northampton Town ahead with eight minutes gone of extra time. I don't I'd... believe it. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember celebrating that or the goal that put us ahead. I remember the celebrations after the penalty. Uh, went in, but I and, and I and again going back, I would imagine we would have celebrated that like we'd won the game. I remember the fans being there. I remember seeing all the fans behind that goal. It was superb. But um, yeah, we would have definitely celebrated that goal as if we'd won the actual the whole tie. Then the equaliser from Liverpool. It's kind of oh no, this is what happens. The Premier League side get an equaliser late on in extra time and then they just go on and win it that's what happens in these type of things Liverpool corner kick this is danger Liverpool corner kick five minutes to go in comes the delivery towards goal oh! there's the equaliser tells it all oh, it's N'Goe's had a shocker of a game but David N'Goe has scored and now we have five minutes where Liverpool needs to hold on for penalties Something else that will live long in the memory for me is the passion of the commentary from that night Even if you were there and not listening to BBC Radio Northampton, the excitement coming from Terry Angus is undeniably part of what made that night so special. Here's Jeff Doyle. I almost had to control him a little bit because he was excitable at the best of times, which which was great, you know, for our commentaries when we did it down the years. And I love Terry to bits. Um, But sometimes, you know, if, if there was a chance, he would kind of almost think that the ball was going in and sometimes it didn't go in and because he just he was just let the emotion get to him but it was great to have that alongside now this is a test of mental strength go, go on, on boys, boys. here we go the box and hold yes 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 not quieting him down, but make sure I got across what was happening. Calm down, Terry. 30 seconds to go. In comes across. It's a no, good one. No! Oh, oh, Davis is headed off the line. Oh, my God. That's in. That it was in all the way. And Davis a... has headed it oh. off the line. And so, after a roller coaster of emotions, extra time finished 2 2. And the game went to penalties. Ah, penalties. Never has anything else been created that can take a person through such a range of extreme emotions. Especially if you're English, Italia 90, Euro 96, Euro 2004. I've only ever finished watching a penalty shootout on the losing side. And to begin with, Anfield was following the same old script. Okay then, we're down to penalty kicks at Anfield in the pouring rain as Brad Jones just tries to stir the cop. And can you imagine the Cobblers going to take a penalty kick? They're going to be first. Steve Guinan to take the first spot kick here then for Northampton Town to get the Cobblers into a 1-0 lead from the penalty spot. The first one of the evening. Booze from the cop. Guinan against Jones. Steve Guinan on as a substitute. He's experienced. Come on, ref. He's a wily campaigner. He's a striker. And the referee has a word with Jones and says, stay on your line. Steve Guinan has a fairly long run-up, edge of the area. Steve Guinan has blasted it over, he's missed. Guinan's missed the first one, it's a poor start. And Northampton Town will have to get back into it. When Brad Steve Jones. Guinan 
missed that first one. He, he skied it over the bar. I remember that. And I can then remember thinking, that's that's it as well. It's not going to happen. And then it, it, it was just, it, emotions were just up and down and up and down. And then Ungo, I, did it, I think Ungo missed. The Frenchman, uh, David Ungo, will take the penalty kick. He scored Liverpool's late equaliser in extra time to uh, set us up for these penalties. And with the white boots on, away to our right, Ngog right-footed against Dan, and he misses! He's missed it! It's a dreadful penalty! Blasts it to the left-hand side of the Cobblers' goal! That is a dreadful spot kick, and it's nil-nil after one penalty apiece. Terry Angus, that how bad a penalty was that? a shocking penalty, and I think that about sums up Mr Ngo's night. Some of the penalties were good. I remember Liam Davis' penalty was an excellent penalty. Top to the keeper's right, top corner. No keeper would have saved that. Kev scored. And I think he went like that this time to the cop. Didn't do the ears. Did the old... It's uh, Kevin Thornton. Shouldn't be playing at League Two level. Much better than that. Left-footed. Calm as you like. Calm as a cucumber. Thornton whacked it in. 1-0 to Northampton Town. And he does the shush sign at the cop which doesn't go down very well. But Northampton are 1-0 up. They have taken the first penalty, remember, of course. And John Joe Shelby, the substitute, will try and put Liverpool level right-footed against Dunn. Shelby scores! He puts it to the uh, left-hand side of Dunn. Dunn dives right, and Shelby sends him the wrong way. And it's 1-1 after two penalties apiece. And here comes Liam Davis for the Cobblers. I know they'll say any any penalty that scores a good penalty, but that is right in the corner, right in the rigging. Showed a lovely, calm nature. Great penalty. The Cobblers' best player comes to take the next one, Liam Davis. Two penalties gone so far. Cobblers one, Liverpool one. Both have missed one each. So it's all square. Davis to take the next one. Liam Davis scores! Calm as you like, left-hand side, into the roof of the net. That's a great finish from Davis. He's been Northampton's best player, and Liverpool have the advantage. They're 2-1 up, with Agger, the centre-half, coming up. Great, great penalty, Liam Davis. Summed up his night as well. High to the keeper's right hand. Great penalty. Thank you. Agger then will take this, the centre-back for Liverpool. And uh, Northampton leading here, then 2-1. This is Liverpool's third penalty. Left foot Agger against Dunn. Come on, Dunny. Agger steps up and scores. It's a good finish. It's into the uh, left-hand side of the net with Dunn again diving right. And then Michael stepped up. and Brad Jones should have saved it, actually. He got a good hand to it. And I think just enough pace on the ball for, for it to go over the line. Michael Jacobs scored that goal to make it 2-1. The youngster from Rothwell, 18 years old, in front of the cop. Can he score again? Jacobs scores! Bottom Great right penalty. corner. Great finish from Michael Jacobs. Oh, dear, oh, dear. He belies his youth. What a player in store. Cobblers have now gone 3-2 up. Eccleston then against Dunn. Eccleston right-footed, against the yes, he's missed it! And the ball is back to the centre circle, and the Cobblers are one penalty away from the fourth round of the Carling Cup. They the pressure on Abdul must have been something that he's never faced before. In front of the cop as well, you know, they were probably giving him some abuse. Uh, but he, he looked cool as a cucumber when he when he came up and, and side-footed, side-footed it to the keeper's left, I think it was. Tim and I were alternating between the penalties. He was taking the Liverpool ones. 
and I were doing the Northampton ones. And I can remember Abdul Osman, you know, biggest kick of his life. And he just looked as though he didn't have any pressure in the world. In the pouring rain, calmly knocks it home. And then, you know, then because that was in front of the cop. So the, the Northampton players had to all, all then run down the other end, to the Anfield Road end, to go and celebrate in front of the fans. And, you know, I can remember Samo running in the rain down that touchline to go and see all the supporters and all the players as well. It was, it was just an incredible moment. This is the biggest kick of a football this lad will ever do in his career, no matter how long it goes for. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and Northampton three! Yeah! Northampton yeah! 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 have done it! Yes! And yes! the celebration starts! <laughs> if you're listening back home in Northampton cheer, go and get another drink! Yeah! The Cobblers have been to Liverpool it. in front of the top on penalties! The celebrations are amazing! Let the party begin! The Anfield Road end! And oh, brilliant! This Carling Cup third round play. Oh, can you believe it? Staggering! Not that he's gone straight with, with the opposition manager's hand, but... Listen, these things don't happen very often, do they? So, uh, I think my emotions took over a little bit, and I think the first t- the first person I turned around to was Malcolm Crosby, and uh, I think he was happy because when we were at Sunderland, he-, he was manager of Sunderland when Liverpool beat us in the FA Cup final. So he's been waiting for a revenge for quite a long time. Nineteen ninety-two, that was. So he was delighted as well. Looking back on that night, it was just incredible. To get to see my club not only play Liverpool at Anfield, but beat them, words just don't do it justice. I think that's why my biggest memory from that night isn't about the football. Instead, it's of that feeling of being soaked wet through to my bones and just not caring one little bit. In making this podcast, I've found it really funny just how many others share that same memory. Here's Ben Tozer again. I do remember the weather it was pretty bad. Actually, I remember the first half, um, I'd lost a stud actually at the front of one of my boots. And um, I remember it happening early on in the first half and that, uh, it made me, my concentration levels much higher. So I thought, right, if, if I slip here or whatever, I've got to wet my feet much harder to, to stop myself slipping over really. So, and then got in a half time, obviously put a new stud in, but, yeah, I remember that being a worry because of how wet it was, you know. I remember walking out of the ground and it was absolutely tipping it down. We all got soaked. I think to the point where someone in the car didn't have a coat with them and they took their cobbler's top off and and, were, we dry, and drove home topless. <laughs> because we were all that wet from the rain afterwards. Ros remembers meeting up with her son, who had been watching the game with the rest of the Liverpool fans after the celebrations had ended. So he stood there while everybody filed out past him watching the celebrations and uh, trying not to look too happy about it (laughs) as he was with the Liverpool fans. But yeah, yeah, then we met up afterwards and tried to get a taxi back to our um, travel lodge, whatever it was we were stopping in and couldn't get one. So... Had about an hour and a half walk, I think, in all that awful weather. <laughs> and then there was Mark, who had left his car outside the home of an Evertonian. I mean, it was teeming it down with rain, wasn't it, if you remember. Um, so fortunately, we didn't have um, a particularly long walk once the game had finished to get back to the car. And, um, and he was sitting in his doorstep waiting for us to get back to the car. 
and uh, and got got a six pack of beer for us <laughs> and um you know gave gave him his parking permit back and uh, he said what a fabulous night he said that was, that was the biggest laugh i've had for years 10 years a lot has happened in the last decade but that night at anfield will never be forgotten from billy mckay's equalizer to michael jacobs giving us the lead Abdul Osman silencing the cop and Samo running down the touchline. If you've got a copy, I suggest you stick the DVD on and relive what was one of the best nights in Cobbler's history. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Yeah! No! Yeah! They've won on penalties 4-2. Osman converted the final one. Kind of missed first, but we don't care about that. Samo is held up into the air by Ryan Gilligan. Everybody is on the pitch in front of those Cobblers fans to our left-hand side. And the celebrations will go on all night. Can you believe it? Terry Angus has got his camera out. He can't believe it either. Well done, boys. Well done, Tim. Well done, Jeff. Well done, Mark. They've created history here at Anfield, Northampton Town. The Cobblers have beaten Liverpool at the Cop at Anfield Road. And Northampton Town can celebrate in front of the away supporters. Unbelievable scenes here. What a victory. It's All Cobblers to Me is produced by me, Charles Commons. Thanks go to Ian Sampson, Jeff Doyle, Ben Tozer and all the fans who I spoke to in making this podcast episode. Thanks also to Jake Sharp at BBC Radio Northampton and the rest of the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast team. If you've enjoyed listening to this special episode, please share it with your friends. Maybe even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.